Jenny wasn't the only one who wasn't very athletic. When I would go out to speak places, she'd say to me, Laura, what's your biggest fear? And I would say, Jenny, you know what it is. It's the stairs, the stairs up to the platform. And she would say, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I said, just pray me up on the platform without falling on my face. Everybody needs a friend who will pray that you won't fall on your face, figuratively and literally. Jenny and I could never agree about the fine details about the day we met. There were some things we agreed on. We knew, one, that it was at Nazarene Theological Seminary. We knew that it was in the fall of 2001, and we were in Dr. Paul Bassett's Christian Heritage One. We agreed on those points. Back in those days at the seminary, there weren't as many women there as there are now. And so we had a tendency that when you would walk into a classroom, you would search for another woman. You know, and there was Jenny. I always said I went to sit beside her. She always said she came to sit by me. We never agreed on that point. But whatever it was, whoever was right, it was the beginning of a very sacred friendship. It's a kind of friendship that so many don't ever have the chance to participate in. A friendship that's based on the love of God and the love for one another. We had things in common. We weren't the traditional age of the students. We had children. We were women. She was much more brilliant than I would ever be. And so I found that very helpful. <laughs> But as many of you know, Jenny graduated from NTS in 2004, and then she promptly moved to Monroeville, Indiana, to pastor her first church. And that was the trip to remember. Bob and I were talking about this just the other day. You see, because Steve and I and our son Thomas came along to help him move. And after a couple of days of loading a truck, and it was rainy and yucky, you guys remember, we take off with a moving van, two cars, another van pulling a trailer, four adults, seven kids, and one dog. The dog was ours. And we headed across Missouri, southern Illinois, and on up into Indiana, to Monroeville. We hated leaving Bob and Jenny and the kids there. Nothing against Monroeville, they just weren't close enough for us because we had to go back to Kansas City. But we knew in our hearts that it was just a temporary separation. We were praying at that time that we too would be called back to Indiana, that we would have the opportunity to serve together somewhere in close proximity. And that came true in July of 2005. I graduated in 2005 and then in July, the very beginning of July, we moved back here we were living here in Fort Wayne, actually, at the time when we got the phone call that Jenny was in the hospital, that it looked like the news she was going to get wasn't going to be very good, and could we come? We saw God in the timing. We were grateful to be here. That was the beginning of the journey that's brought us to this place today. When Jenny was first diagnosed, we were told that she'd have to be transferred down to Indianapolis for a surgery. And it really just felt like we were standing on the edge of a precipice. 
We didn't know where it was going to end. Things were moving so much faster than we could process them. And it was all happening right then. The night before we left to go to Indy, Jenny asked Bob to bring the kids up to the hospital. I sat over in the corner and Bob brought in all the kids and they stood around Jenny's bed. I think the older ones realized the gravity of the situation. The younger ones were just fascinated by the amazing things that mom's bed could do. More than once, I heard her say, Samuel, don't press that button. <laughs> I remember certain things about that evening, kids. And what I remember is the way she looked at you. And she had so much love in her eyes. And as you've heard other people say here about her concern for everyone else, all of that concern was concentrated as she looked at you. She was in pain. She didn't know what was ahead of her. But she was worried about her kids and the way that things would happen. And she said, her voice was strong. She said to you, Mom is sick. And it looks like she's going to be sick for a very long time. And then she said, and we don't even know if Mom will ever be well again. But then she said the most amazing thing. This is what she wanted you to hear. Whatever happens, don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on Jesus. In that very moment, honey, your mom stated to you her whole desire for your life. And that was her desire for your life when she had cancer, before she had cancer. And it would have been her desire for your life if she had never had cancer. It's always been, don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on Jesus. Her words were not determined by her illness. I want everyone to understand that. This was not just Jenny being concerned about eternity in this one moment. Her words were determined by the very love that she had for the Father, the relationship that she had with the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit that was in her lives. Do not give up on Jesus. It's her call to all of us. It's her call to Bob. It's a call to all the children. It's a call to you, her dad, Ted. And it's her call to you, Lisa, as well. Ted, and I'm going to impress some people here because you heard them out there. They didn't think I could do your names, remember? So Ted and Mark, Daniel and Peter, Samuel and Deborah. To all of the family and friends and people whose lives she has touched, that is her call for all of us today. Don't give up on Jesus when life and death collide and when we feel as if we are standing on the very edge of a precipice, Jenny's words come back to us. Don't give up on Jesus. When, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know that those words are the beginning of the 22nd Psalm. In that moment, though, all those people around Jesus... They didn't just hear those words. They heard the entire 
22nd Psalm go through their minds. And that's what your mom was doing that day. That's what she was doing four years ago. She was not just giving you guys and all of us there and all of us here today some kind of simple phrase that had fit on a coffee cup. She was speaking about the entirety of the very character of God. She was telling us so much more that the creator of the universe of all things seen and unseen, an omnipresent God who is love and as such provides us with an ever-present love, a love which is in a constant state of anticipation for our response to it. Today, we are surrounded by the sweet, sweet love of Jesus. Jenny knew that. Even when our hearts are broken, we're surrounded by his love. It is the love that redeems us from all sin. It is love that has canceled the power of death. Jenny knew that God's love for all of us was the one indestructible power in the universe. It is a love which is the deepest truth of the cosmos, a love which embraces suffering and leads into what is to, become, to make us more Christ-like. It is a love which Jenny knew, and Jenny believed with all of her heart, with all of her soul, with all of her mind, and with all of her strength. She was speaking of the God who would give us the strength and power to accomplish what he has already called us to do and what he will call us to do. He is the source of the power that will give all of us the strength to say with confidence during the difficult times of our lives, if God is for us, who can be against us? It is his power it is God's power that makes us more than conquerors. She was speaking of a God who is ever at the side of the Father interceding for each of you. The Son who is bringing your needs before the Father right now. So right now, Bob, Jesus is speaking your name to the Father. Right now, Ted, Jesus is speaking your name to the Father. Right now, Mark, Jesus is speaking your name to the Father. It's the same for Daniel and Peter, and Samuel, and Deborah. Right now, all of our names are being lifted up to the Father by the Son. That's what your mom knew when she was saying to us, don't give up on Jesus. But we have to be very careful here as well. We must not romanticize Jenny's suffering to spend time forever dissecting it into smaller and smaller pieces so that we could try to find some quick, simple answer, some quick, simple, easy way to answer the question why. You saw her suffering, kids. Bob, Ted, you saw it. She suffered. You saw the nights of physical pain, the days of physical pain. You saw feelings of frustration come up as the limitations increased. Her suffering was not the result of the personal sin in her life. She did nothing to deserve this suffering, and you did nothing to deserve the suffering that you are feeling today. Your mom knew that this would be hard, that her illness would be hard, that the journey would be hard, and that her death would be hard. But she also knew of the sustaining grace of God 
the grace which holds us in his victorious and righteous right hand. The grace that would allow all of us to say that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. The sustaining power, the sustaining grace of God can only be seen when pain is allowed to be pain, when weakness is allowed to be weak, and when our thorns cannot be explained away, that's when we realize that we are relying on the sustaining grace of God. And even while we do not seek suffering, we all know today that it will come. And we must recognize not only the existence of suffering in the third person, such as he suffers or she suffers, but we must be prepared for and acknowledge suffering in the first person, I suffer. God suffers for us. God suffers with us. And we must embrace the painful paradox that suffering and the power of Christ are inextricably intertwined. I don't have the answers for the presence of personal suffering. During these years, as I watched Jenny, I watched a holy woman who loved the Lord suffer. And I had illustrated for me very clearly that suffering is not always the result of personal sin. And that admitting your dependency upon others for the basic needs of your life is not sin. Jenny knew the paradox. She knew the paradox of the faith that was before us. She knew the one on whom she could rely to carry her through the suffering and who would pour out his sustaining grace upon all of us. She knew this when she said to you that night and to all of us in so many ways, don't give up on Jesus. Jenny was saying to all of us in those moments and throughout her life, Throughout her walk, she was saying to us, believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. Believe in Jesus Christ, his only son. Believe in him as your Lord. This Jesus who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, who was born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, dead, and buried, and who descended into Hades. Believe that on the third day he rose again from the dead and that he ascended into heaven. And now he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Believe in the Holy Spirit. Believe in the church universal. Believe in the communion of saints. Believe in the forgiveness of sins believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting that's what Jenny's saying to us when she says don't give up on Jesus we will miss Jenny I've practiced saying my friend is dead And it doesn't come easily. But I've also practiced saying she is in the place where there is no more death and where there is no more sorrow 
and where there is no more pain, and where there is no more mourning, and the very hand that wiped away the tears from her face will reach down and wipe away the tears from ours. And that is comfort. We'll miss Jenny's smile. <laughs> it could illuminate an entire room. We'll miss Jenny's intellect because she helped to guide our learning. We will miss how quickly she prayed. How quickly she prayed. It was never the last thing or the last resort. It was always the first thing. I will miss her prayers for me. We'll miss the gentle touch of her beautiful hands. We can miss all of those things and be okay. But we cannot miss what she said to us. Don't give up on Jesus. The pastor's choir, pastors, if you'll come forward, please. Pastors love to sing this song. It is our hope, it is our song, it is our message.
Let us pray. Father, you are the God of all comfort. You are our ever-present help in times of trouble. You are our joy. You are our confidence. You are our power and strength. We thank you for the life of Jenny Mitchell. We thank you that that life continues in your presence. And we thank you that one day we will all be reunited in that beautiful place where we will be in your glory and presence forever and ever, Lord. Lord, we pray your comfort upon Bob and the children and the family. Let that be our honest prayer for many, many days to come. We thank you for life eternal. We thank you for the saving grace and sustaining grace that you provide for us. In Jesus' name, amen. There is no graveside, and so the family will greet those of you who have you've not had a chance to greet them in the foyer, and then there'll be a dinner immediately following uh, this time, this immediate time, uh, in room 39, which is just over here for all the Monroeville family, as well as the immediate family, and we encourage you to come to that. You're dismissed. <laughs>